Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, August the 23rd in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, proper week 16, which is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Wednesday of the week, we like to pick up one of the extra passages that accompany the other sections of Scripture from this week in the Revised Common Lectionary and this week of the church's calendar year. Sometimes there's an extra psalm like there is this week, so let's go ahead and pick that psalm up. Psalm 138. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection. And then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Psalm 138 I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I'll sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness, for you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. This is the word of God for us. Scholars have an interesting time trying to date this psalm because on the one hand, it's got some evidence of maybe it being older. You look at verse 1. It says, I'll praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I'll sing your praise. So this is a, comes from a monolatry point of view where there's a sense where there's like a divine council. There's other gods out there. And so uh, Yahweh, God of Israel, wants Israel to worship him alone and to forsake the other gods. And so this is different than the monotheism that begins to develop towards the end of the Old Testament period, particularly in the second part of Isaiah. But then we go a little bit further, and there's this call to the nations to know God's decrees and to praise God for the works that he has done. And that's something that we see as a, a bit more of the genre of the what they call the post-exilic part of the Old Testament. So after they've come back from Babylon, because it's hard to say like, hey, the, you know, the nations will see your name and hear of your name and they'll praise you until you've actually been you know, exiled to the nations. And so there's a sense where it's kind of hard to date this. But I think the reason why they pluck Psalm 138 out and they place it into this week is, is because it seems to correlate with what the Old Testament story is saying how um, Israel has harassed while they're slaves in Egypt and they're calling out to God for deliverance and God is going to oppose the proud and he's going to give grace to the humble. So this seems to be the very opposite of what the ancient world expected according to the material that we have for the other uh, Mesopotamian communities, right? Uh, actually blessing, material blessing, uh, a ton of land, a ton of soldiers, a ton of kids, like it was just common knowledge that this was a sign uh, that the God or the gods were blessing you, right? Because uh, you had abundance of something, um, it, and it would seem that uh, they that God draw the gods draw near to those who have a lot, and so for the psalmist to suggest that God is actually going to be drawn towards the plight of the lowly, and God will uh, 
oppose and actually bring low the proud. It's something that is a different tone and tune than the rest of the theology of the Old Testament. We wonder if this is going to be so right. Uh, This was not a common assumption. It wasn't even a common uh, craving and desire for many communities. It wasn't until, as uh, many historians and scholars say, that the Christian community began to billow out from ancient Palestine into the ends of the earth, where there's a sense that uh, those who are lowly and those um, who are destitute are actually the ones whom God wants to help. Right? That's just something that uh, wasn't quite common um, until the uh, till the expansion of Christianity. And this is something that you even see like in uh, some of the big reads of the Western world, like Nietzsche and whatnot. Um, he would say that, you know, it's just, it might be simply assumed today uh, that God is going to bless the humble and that we should help and serve the poor. But that's not something that was common throughout all the ages, right? And so here we have this um, this idea, this assumption that we have now, this um, I don't know, desire to help the poor and the lowly, uh, the you know, the, the feeling of uh, sorrow and sympathy for the for the beggar on the street uh, is something that has, has come to pass because of the witness of the church throughout the generations. And so if there's ever a moment where we think, well, it seems like um, people are ignoring the church or it seems like the church is being pushed into the margins, um, you know, there might be some markers that suggest that. But um, in the wake of whatever's happening today, we look back and we say, wow, God has changed the world through the testimony of Jesus. And who would have thought that this would happen, right? I mean, Jesus didn't journey 50, uh, 50 mile radius from his hometown during his ministry, but now his name is being broadcast and proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Um, there's not one epicenter of all time of Christianity. It's bounced around from uh, Palestine to Western Europe to North America, and now maybe to the global South and East. Uh, that's where the majority of Christian believers are now. It seems to uh, beginning to take over, and I guess in a pleasant, the most pleasant way that we could say that, any people group, when people hear the name of Jesus and they hear the story of the gospel, they think of the self-sacrificing love of God that we find in the face of Jesus. It's something that is continuing to transform the world. And so what may have seemed like kind of a, an absurd thing to say in Psalm 138 has actually become a reality and God is beginning to, uh, we're beginning to see God do something quite uh, drastic to the ends of the earth. And people are changing their minds about who should receive help and care, who should be given notoriety, who should we give our best um, energies to help. It's not those who are the most prominent and powerful. No, it's actually those who are, the, who are destitute. I mean, Jesus opened up the famous Sermon on the Mount with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the way that we could translate that, that in our common vernacular is blessed are those who can't even help themselves for they're fit for the kingdom of heaven. Once again, that, that seems like foolishness to people outside of the faith. But for those of us inside the faith, this is how we came to know Christ. Grace was extended to us in our vulnerable plight. We were redeemed. We were raised to life. We were set in heavenly standing as co-heirs with Christ because the God of grace stooped down low and he picked us up, right? So what's the response, right? The response is for us to recalibrate our own minds because if we just kind of go with the flow um, in the the contours of culture, we're going to continue to only admire those who are in power, only admire those who are ahead of the pack. But one of the calls of the gospel is for us to say, okay, who's on the other side of the room? Who's being looked over? Who's been picked on? Um, Who's being looked around and forgotten? Those are the people God wants to embrace and 
and their faces will find the face of Jesus Christ. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we rejoice today that Jesus has changed the world, that this is not just something that happened in a remote corner of the world and forgotten about forever, but we thank you that every tribe and tongue will raise the name of Jesus. Uh, They'll lift him up high because he's the redeemer of the world. We thank you that salvation is found in no one else, that we can put our trust in him. And so this day, as we seek to follow uh, our, uh, to follow the Lamb and to be the people of Jesus, um, we, we ask for your help to embody his ways. Grace extended to those who needed it the most, who were the furthest away from God. Lord, you reached out to us and you brought us into your family. Lord, this day we rejoice in that amazing grace that was applied to our lives. And so this day as we seek to see it grow further and go farther, um, we pray that you would give us the grace and give us the courage to be people who lift up the plight of the humble and uh, who look out for those who've been forgotten. And so this day, help us that any room that we find ourselves in, whether it's at school or the workplace, we're out in public to be to be mindful of those who are lonely, uh, to be mindful of those who are near invisible. And we just ask God that you give us the wisdom to know how to embrace them, to surround them, to love them, and to empower them uh, for their life ahead. So we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <music>